The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, simply run with the Game Changers. I promise you're absolutely in the right place. Today's buzz, a very simple word, change. Oh, we fear it, we dread it, we regret it. It's happening. Listen up. With budgeting and forecasting silos popping up across your business, come on, admit it. You know you've got these pillars and maybe they're not talking to each other or not so well. Well, your CFO and your Office of Finance have a more important role than ever before. They've got to move finance from a basic support cost center you know, the one they've been doing for years and decades. They have to move it to a proactive revenue driver and business partner, and this means change. Their goal today has to be leading your organization forward with real-time interpretation of data, not just a bunch of reports slid from one desk to the other. Why does this all this matter? You need them to help you navigate the competitive business climate today and tomorrow because that climate is changing on a constant basis. Change happens over time and the best results are achieved when it's intentional. So take charge and listen up. I have a panel of three experts who are prepared, sitting here waiting to share their expertise, their point of view, their passion for the topic, and we think you're going to find some really good practical information you can use in your organization. First up, I'm very pleased to welcome Greg Wright. He is the CEO of Vantage Point Business Solutions, and Greg has sent me an interesting quote from Albert Einstein, who is still the most frequently quoted guest on all of our Game Changers radio series. And here's the quote. Logic will get you from A to B. Imagination will take you everywhere. Greg Wright, welcome. And tell me, how in the world do we use imagination when we're talking about CFOs and the Office of Finance? Welcome, Greg. How are you today? Thanks, Bunny. (laughs) Doing well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm very well. So I, I just don't, those words don't go in my vocabulary, finance and imagination. I thought it was by the numbers, by the book, by the column. So why don't you get us started, Greg? Outstanding. Well, thanks, Bonnie. You know, yesterday we went cycling. My wife and I uh, enjoyed some outdoor, some outdoor activities, and we went cycling with some friends yesterday who were telling us how they recently gave uh, their mother, who lives in South Korea, actually, an elderly mother, uh, an iPad so that they could stay in touch with her and, uh, you know, FaceTime, Skype, whatever it may have been. Mm -hmm. And yesterday they added to the commentary where they said that um, she was using the iPad actually pretty well, although she's retired in the late 70s, and they were pleasantly surprised. But they also mentioned how uh, her mother was actually getting pretty frustrated with her friends because none of them can get out of the house as easily as what they used to and Mm -hmm. to uh, visit and, and keep in touch. And as a result, she's finding that she's losing touch with them. And her frustration was, 
if only they would catch up with the times and use technology, we could still, you know, keep up, keep up to date and, uh, and, and uh, share the latest stories, uh, which was kind of interesting hearing that from an old Korean lady. Uh, the part that was really great on top of that was she said, you know, we are getting problems when I load photographs up to the web. Uh, maybe the Internet is running out of space. But, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but in terms of business, it's exactly the same really in terms of business yes. because people could typically work with a framework. They get tasks and deadlines, and that's how they organize the day. What should get done right now? They work, they work on the urgent, not necessarily on the important. And as they get added more and more information or more and more tasks that they need to get done, they start using it by adding more hours. That's how they get the job done. They just work longer hours. Mm-hmm. And their life becomes very busy and becomes very boring and very gray. When the truth of the matter is, if they would simply take a breath and stop, they would realize that we still live in a very diverse world that's full of color and wonderful opportunities. It's just, it's changing. And if they looked at the nature, if they even looked around them, whether it be nature or cultures or people around them, they would realize there would be all these different points of view that they could be learning from and adopting to make their lives easier and better. And so what's really happened is that we have a lot of people going from point A to point B, trying to do what they did and what they've always done, the way they've always done it, maybe just faster, instead of stopping and saying, hey, maybe I can do things uh, a little bit differently, and uh, do I even need to be doing them at all? And so they're really asking the wrong questions. If they used their imagination a little bit more, they would realize that there were uh, you know, multiple ways of addressing those same problems and challenges. Thank you, Greg. I just love the story. Thank you so much. We usually don't get storytelling with our opening quotes, and I think you've raised the bar here. So no pressure on the other panelists. I know we didn't plan this, but uh, it, it was a wonderful story. And just the idea of the way you explain from A to B versus imagination, and maybe we don't need to be going from A to B at all. A really good lesson, a life lesson, I think, in addition to a lesson for our CFO and Office of Finance people in the audience. Greg, thank you. We'll hear a lot more from you in the rest of the show. And let me bring on our second panelist. He is Ingmar Christians. He is a partner in the advisory practice of EY. And Ingmar has also sent us a quote from Albert Einstein, similar and very interesting as well. Let me read it. Knowledge is limited to all we now know and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world and all, all there ever will be to know and understand. So, Ingmar, we've added now this future look to Albert Einstein's wows. I call those words of wisdom. Ingmar Christians, welcome. How are you today? I'm very well, Bonnie. Uh, thank you for having me, and uh, I hope you're doing fine as well, as well as all the participants today. Thank you. Um, Talk to me. To, Interesting quote. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I was just reflecting on what uh, what Greg said, and um, I was actually thinking why we would uh, both uh, choose for Albert Einstein to be our role model. And personally, for me, I guess it's uh, because I love the guy's haircut. Uh, maybe it's because <laughs> yeah, maybe it's because I'm bold myself. But I think there's a really, a really good uh, point in in what he's saying. Um, and if we actually look at how we are looking at things uh, today, we really, really need to start thinking outside of, of the normal standard and maybe even the ancient path in, in, in which we have been maybe 
pushed uh, for so many years, and especially in finance, because let's be honest, sometimes finance is still looked at uh, as being as being dull, boring, maybe like the haircut of uh, of Einstein. But I think if we look at the the technology nowadays, well, we can we can certainly agree that it's so advanced and it will bring us so much disruption going forward, um, which in, in in which we know that all the business models will be completely shooked up and maybe even disappear. And what Einstein is, is trying to teach us and, and what I really love in, in, in his quotes is that uh, the, the limits of, of what we can do and the limits of our own imagination, they are only uh, boundaries that, that can separate the visionaries from the followers. And, and the only limits that we have to these imaginations are the limits that we put ourselves. So that is why I definitely chose for this, uh, for this quote. Next to the haircut, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at your picture, by the way. I'm looking at the pictures of all three of our panelists. And Greg has quite a mop of hair, I must say. And Ingmar, you are very, very uh, au courant. You're, you're very much with the times with your, your hairdo, I should call it. But Albert Einstein certainly beats the bunch with whatever he was doing. I don't know what kind of hair tonic he was using, but that was a wow. <laughs> I, I won't tell you what my hair looks like, but it's red and very curly, and there's a lot of it. So, Ingmar, Thank you. I, I really appreciate the way you uh, added on to what Greg said. And interesting that both of you chose Einstein. But the idea of imagination, again, as I said, just to me is not something, as I think you said this, Ingmar, we're thinking of dull and, and pro forma and going from point A to point B in finance, in crunching numbers in presenting reports and now we're saying open your eyes open your imagination think about the future think about change it's a really important topic for cfos so thank you ingmar and let me bring on our third panelist who is waiting so patiently in the wings he's been on before and he knows the drill it's floyd conrad he's the global senior director of epm and finance with the sap center of excellence and here's a quote from somebody who is not albert einstein and i don't know what this man's haircut looks like but it's henri Poincaré, P-O-I-N-C-A-R-E. He's a French mathematician who lived from 1854 to 1912. And let me read the quote. It is far better to foresee even without certainty than not to foresee at all. And there's our, again, our future looking forward. Floyd Conrad, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for helping to put together this extraordinary panel. We've got some good talkers here, Floyd, so now it's your oh. turn. Want to impress the heck out of us, Floyd Conrad. Go ahead. <laughs> well, well, I picked this quote because I think it's really important for uh, even people in finance to take risk. I mean, you have to be able to look at the future and be able to plan for it, even if you don't have the um, maybe the appropriate tools in place. So, you know, that's, that's pretty much the reason why I picked, you know, picked this quote. Okay, and what do, what do you think about what your co-panelists have said about logic and going beyond, do we really need to do this? I think that's a, a very important question and maybe a very frightening one for people who've come up through the ranks in finance over the years. What do you mean, do I really have to do this? Of course I have to do this. Any thoughts on that, Floyd, on the concept of change being intentional? Well, you have to. I mean, definitely. I've been in finance now 25-plus years. I'm starting to age myself here. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, things are changing. You know, there's a lot of data out there. There's a lot of information. Um, you know, we can actually make better uh, decisions based on all that information. So uh, the, the role of a finance person is changing. It has to change, and, and you have to change with it. So, you know, we have to be business partners with all the various areas, and we have to be the data steward, you know, 
uh, for uh, all the various different areas within an organization, and yet be able to establish the trust you know, that people need to have in uh, the Department of Finance. Thank you very much. And I just want to mention, in case our listeners haven't gleaned it yet, our topic today is the CFO-led revolution, integrated business planning. There's a lot of meat on the bones in that title, and we'll be talking about what it means a little later on. But now I have a very important question to ask my three esteemed panelists. What are you drinking today? What's in your cup right now? Or what do you plan to drink after the show? Or what's the best beverage you've ever had? We'll just leave it wide open. Let me know how your cup runneth over. Greg Wright, where are you calling from and what are you drinking? Hey, Bonnie. So I'm actually calling from Atlanta, Georgia, from office here in Atlanta, and you probably gathered from my accent that uh, I, I do have a southern accent, but it's not from the south. It's actually from South Africa, mm-hmm. where I was born and raised, and we are big tea drinkers out there. Typically, a hot tea with milk and sugar. In fact, funny story on the way, I came to America 18 years ago, went to a restaurant, asked for some tea, expecting a piping hot cup of tea with a kettle, at least with a a teapot, and I got iced tea full of of ice cubes and sweet as molasses. It just uh, was not what I expected. So South Africa tea drink is big, but hot tea with typically with milk and sugar. So I'm sitting here sipping a cup of rooibos tea. Rooibos is uh, the local term we use. It's an it's actually Afrikaans, which is one of the languages down there uh, that mm-hmm. is spoken. So translated into English, it means red bush, and it is grown only in South Africa. Uh, so that's what I'm, I'm drinking. I don't drink my tea with milk and sugar, so mine's just hot and uh, drunk like uh, green tea. Um, and uh, so I like it hot, and I like it for the health benefits, as well as the fact it just reminds me of my roots. It sounds the what? about it, though, yes, go ahead. It's, it's, a, it's a herbal tea, and it naturally has no caffeine. So if ever anyone is looking to try to kick the caffeine, this is a good substitute. It's really tasty. In fact, on the packet it says, a refreshing herbal tea with a pleasantly sweet taste and uplifting aroma, and I could not have said it better myself. That's exactly what it's around. So only grown in South Africa. They have tried to grow it in the U.S., as well as Australia and China. But there is some reason that the tea itself will not uh, germinate, and so they don't get tea from any other place of robots uh, uh, other than South Africa. And uh, another interesting fact about it was it really has been drunk in South Africa for, you know, centuries, absolute centuries. Local use it there in brews and teas, uh, food, etc. But um, it really was literally, it wasn't known well to the world until around about the turn of the century, so 2000, 2005. And um, then it became quite well known. Maybe it was a marketing company that got involved, not quite sure. But uh, in anticipation of it coming to the U.S., a company here actually trademarked the name, Roybos. And when people began to import it due to demand, um, they started saying, well, hey, I, that's our name. You've got to pay us royalties. So that didn't go down too well with the people doing importing, and so they took that company to court, and it is now a public domain name, and the tea can now be found in a store near you. Well, thank you, and I've looked up the spelling because I wasn't sure, and it's R-O-O-I-B-O-S, Roibos, and there's all kinds of, let's see, the preferred supplier of Roibos since 1954. We've got the Limited.co.za. We've got a whole Wikipedia article on it, and uh, we've got... 
Tevana.com, T-E-A-V-A-N-A, has an article in, about they're probably selling it, and we can get either red or green rooibos. Thank you very much, Greg, for the robust rooibos description. I appreciate that. <laughs> One question for you. We've had uh, UK natives here on the show. Very frequently we do, and they have uh, looked down their noses at people who drink tea from a tea bag. They call that dusty American tea. So do you have any comment about tea bags? <laughs> I prefer drinking it from a teapot. I must admit, I've uh, got that English uh, kind of uh, uh, teaching in me. That's the old traditional ways. But like what I'm going to be talking about in the show today, we're going to break and change with the times. I typically drink my robots, making it right out of my teacup. Thank you very much. Good description. Ingmar Christians, I know you're in Belgium somewhere. Tell me where you are. What time of day is it? And what drink is thou? Well, um, I'm indeed in Belgium in a lovely city called Diegem, close to uh, Brussels. And uh, normally at this time of of the day, it's around uh, 17 past 7 uh, in the evening. And normally I would be uh, sipping a good glass of of red wine, uh, preferably a Saint-Estèphe. But, um, yeah, out of sympathy with you guys, because you still have a complete working day ahead of you, uh, I, I just decided to go for a regular cup of coffee, uh, a strong cup of coffee uh, from these uh, horrible office machines, unfortunately, <laughs> with uh, just a dash of milk foam. But now that I'm actually looking at it and uh, listening to Greg's explanation about rooibos, I'm just thinking, why the hell did I not choose for a cup of tea? Because... <laughs> Somehow I'm getting I'm getting very fond of that rooibos tea. <laughs> oh, that was good. I, I, I wait, I'll wait till Floyd gives us his beverage story, and then I have a comment from Pras here, Pras Chatterjee at SAP, who helped to put together the panel, who's listening and traveling right now, and he has a very funny comment on Twitter. We are tweeting, by the way, at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. And, uh, yeah, there's more and more tweets coming in from Pras. He's having a good time listening. So, Floyd Conrad, no pressure on you, my friend, but, boy, do we have two really good stories. So, what do you think? Can you top those? Well, I wish I was drinking some wine with Praz, you know, uh, in France, but I'm not. I'm sitting here in Dallas. I actually had a physical this morning, so I wasn't allowed to drink anything uh, until I got back home. And now I'm on my second cup of Nespresso Romo uh, double shot espressos. So I'm um, that... trying to get the day kicked off. That sounds good. Loaded with caffeine, I'm assuming. Thank you, Floyd. And here's Pras says he is listening from Nice, France, and he's having a glass of rosé wine chilled to perfection. And then a few minutes later, he tweets he's leaving for Monaco, or as some some upper-class people say, Monaco, in 45 (laughs) minutes to embrace some champagne. So I don't know what kind of champagne he has in mind, but it looks like Pras is on the happy train. And he says, if I was in Belgium, I would be dripping drinking triple caramelite i don't know what that is triple t-r-i-p-e-l-k-a-r-m-e-l-e-i-t you're all just going to have to tell me what that is because i i'm not a sophisticated drinker but you know what we've had a good time opening the show our topic today is a very serious one the cfo led revolution and led is led as in the cfo is leading the revolution yes they're in charge of the change the goal Integrated Business Planning. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, joined by a very affable, that means pleasant and chatty and nice and interesting panel. We have Greg Wright from Vantage Point Business Solutions. We have Ingmar Christians at EY, and we have Floyd Conrad at SAP. I plan to be Bonnie D. Graham after the break, and let's see if I can take a sip of my clear, clean water with a little yellow straw. That's as exciting as it gets here in Radio Land. So we're going to go out for just about 90 seconds, and when we come back, Greg Wright will have the honors of kicking 
kicking off the roundtable. Let's see where we decide to start. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Raise a glass and say cheers. We'll be right back. Michael out. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. SAP Simple Finance, powered by SAP, is a part of SAP 4HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP Simple Finance draws upon innovative in-memory, mobile, and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more at www.sap.com forward slash simple dash finance. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. We are ready to launch our roundtable with Greg Wright, the CEO of Vantage Point Business Solutions. And Greg said this note, I, I included it in my opening, but it's so important, we want to reiterate it and start off again. The office of the CFO is moving from a support cost center role to a proactive revenue driver and business partner. Greg Wright, why don't you expand this for us, please? Well, finance typically have been in charge of financial processes, which makes total sense. Uh, but those processes uh, typically have to do with reporting or financial planning. And so the planning process typically would include the strategic plan, an annual operational plan, and then a monthly forecast or quarterly forecast that gets updated. The thing about this is that it was owned and run by finance, which meant when finance made a change to structure, it was finance's change. When finance made a change to data, it was finance's data. And it was very difficult to actually go beyond that to get buy-in about those numbers, about people understanding where the, where the company was intending to go or grow to as a strategy. Uh, a lot of time also was spent by the office of the CFO in validating numbers because we all know that if someone looks at an application and just one number needs to be wrong, credibility is lost. So the office of the CFO, a lot of time kind of back office work. And we're seeing that that's really changing now. Where it's moving to is that the data is now pretty much organized, sorted out, and reliable. They don't spend nearly as much time doing the validation, though, of course, it is still validated. It's not nearly as much time. Where we're seeing their time being spent now is more about the analytics of the data. And, and that means two things. It means, it means talking with the functional areas who are not finance people and explaining what those numbers mean to them that they can run their businesses better, whether it be in the manufacturing, on the manufacturing floor, out in the marketing or the sales, sales teams. It also means that they can produce reports that are valid to the functional areas, not just to finance, 
to help them run their businesses better. And what I mean by that is they'll come up with generic reports that they feel will be important, such as who, are, who do you think your top 10 customers are? Well, this is what the data tells us this month compared to last month who your top 10 are. Where should you really be spending your time? Or things like your accounts receivable. Have you got you know, consistent customers sitting out there in accounts receivable that, that should be addressed? Payment terms. What does it mean if we have a 45-day payment term of invoices compared to 30? Uh, so what does that mean in terms of cash flow? And if we had cash flow, could we do these other projects? So they're really becoming more of an advisor role uh, mm-hmm. to the business as opposed to just there being back office to actually keep the reports running, uh, do the external reporting and the internal reporting so people have an idea as to what's happening. It's way more proactive and, and, and way more focus-driven on where we're going to and how to improve the business versus where, we, where have we come from. Thank you, Greg. Let me bring Ingmar Christians from EY into this. Ingmar, uh, thoughts, observations on what Greg shared with us, please? Yes, definitely. Um, I think if you look at, again, the, the key message is, uh, is change, and change is everywhere around us. Um, also, with, with my first uh, initial comments uh, that I did to open up the show, um, I think also over there, I, I already stressed the, the change fact uh, quite, uh, uh, quite, quite intensely, because if, if you don't embrace that change, and if you don't start thinking out of the box, then basically the technology train. Uh, Greg mentioned also a couple of times the analytics part. Basically, the technology train will just pass by you and there is no way to jump on it. So I do agree with most of his statements, definitely. Thank you. Floyd Conrad, join us. Yeah, I definitely have to echo that I agree with that because I've been talking about this for uh, several years now. You know, across the enterprise, what I refer to as the enterprise planning process or the integrated uh, planning process. You know, I think now what, what's different today is that we do have technology that can handle the data volumes that, uh, you know, we couldn't do five, ten years ago. So, uh, you know, it's really important for, you know, the Office of Finance to be able to embrace this change and to be able to, uh, you know, be those uh, stewards to the other areas within the operations. Thank you. Greg, you opened with this comment. Anything you want to add to what your co-panelists just shared with us about, about your topic? Yeah, no, I think, I think uh, we all agree that this is uh, a role that uh, the CFO is changing to. The biggest challenge for them, though, has been the change management. And it's been their own change management as well as the business change management. Uh, technology uh, is, is exactly there, just as uh, uh, Freud was saying and Ingmar. Uh, we all agree. Technology is there. It's been there for a while. It's, it's, it's certainly becoming more prolific, more, <laughs> more really available. I can't think of the right word. Prolific. Available, you. yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as well as uh, uh, well more integrated. So this concept of the integrated business planning, like Freud was talking about, as mm-hmm. well as the capabilities, like as Igmar had mentioned, uh, are, are, are there. The biggest resistance, though, is that emotional change management, just like our friends in South Korea when those old ladies didn't want to take on the iPads. 
<laughs> Careful calling ladies in their 70s old. I'll have to beat all three of you up off airs for that. So, no, I'm not there yet, but it's not that far away. So just be careful. Who you call. My mother is 98, by the way. She's on her Macintosh every day. She isn't on Twitter or Facebook, thank goodness, but she is emailing and checking things out on Google and uh, sending pictures and jokes. And, yes, so even at 98, we can be very savvy on the computer. But I digress. I have a question for all three of you before we move ahead with one of Ingmar's, Ingmar's comments. Uh, Greg, Ingmar, and Floyd, my question is, we're talking about change. We're talking about being proactive. Did one CFO in one office of finance somewhere in the world in a company wake up one morning and say, aha, we need to be proactive. Let me be the one to start this worldwide trend and drive this change. And pretty soon it will catch on with other people. Where did the seed of this change come from? Was it a brilliant idea one person had? Did it come from companies knocking on the door of their CFO and saying, for God's sake, we need something more from you than just pushing reports out of the door. Greg, you want to take a shot at that and then I'll ask your co-panelists? Sure, I think there are two main drivers, Bonnie. I think the first one is technology got to a point that they felt comfortable, that they could see the data there, and they realized that they could leverage the data that, that, that they were getting, and they could move how their people were spending their time onto, onto different things that would be value-add. And I think that's the first thing. It was a recognition of the technology capabilities. I think the second thing is, because technology has changed, so is business. So is how we interact with our customers. So is how we think about customers. Mm. Uh, it's a radical uh, a change, which does still stir up emotion. Uh, but um, I think that as business has changed, I think the office of the CFO has realized that you can't keep doing things today that you were doing 30 years ago in exactly mm-hmm. the same manner. And maybe you actually shouldn't even be doing those same things. There may be better ways of achieving the same result. Thank you. Ingmar, thoughts on this? Where did it start? Yeah, I, I really wish I, I could disagree with something, but Greg is just <laughs> saying all the right stuff. Uh, maybe he's, he's able to read my mind. Must be the Roy boss again. But, it's a Roy boss. Um, Team maybe, Greg! <laughs> yeah, maybe an additional comment. Um, if, if we would have looked five years ago, and, and I've seen lots of you tweeting and retweeting, if, if we would have looked five years ago, nobody would actually be capable of understanding that we would be able to manage and a radio show and tweeting and the masses of data of information coming towards us and still being capable of handling that, still being capable of mm-hmm. looking at your Twitter feeds, at Facebook, etc., etc. So to your question, did people or did a CFO actually wake up and think, hey, I'm the one that needs to, to drive that change? I don't, I don't think so that they woke up thinking that. I think that they woke up and just are confronted with it. And there is no way of going back. It, it just happens. And whereas all these, these very old technologies uh, like, like databases and, and maybe these, these uh, uh, card systems, that just happened to us as well. But that happened so slowly and so peacefully. Now everything happens at the speed of light and we need to make everything much more simpler and much better to understand. And I think that is what most of the CIOs are nowadays uh, being confronted with. And, And to be honest, most of them do embrace it, in my opinion, at least. Okay, thank you. Floyd, talk to us. Thoughts? Yeah, I definitely think they are embracing it. You know, I think what's, what's, what's happened is that the CFO is getting so many demands, you know, from uh, all areas, and he, they're just tired of, you know, 
waiting for the information. So, you know, they pushed to their IT departments to be able to find technology that can handle it. So, I mean, you know, now that, you know, we have this, uh, this uh, thought process that has to be instantaneous with Facebook and Instagram and all these other social technologies out here where you can find information, you know, quickly, why can't I have that same type of uh, information available uh, at a business, you know, be able to get and analyze that information. So, you know, and I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to be able to make better decisions with the information that's available now, not what's available 30 days ago, you know, to be able to react and to be able to make those changes. Thank you very much. I'm going to move in a slightly different direction, but I think, Floyd, you gave me the perfect segue where I want to go. Ingmar Christians at EY, I'm looking at your notes, and here's something. I think this is a, uh, shall we call it a reality check or a truth time statement. You say, despite all efforts made to increase efficiency, and examples are BI tools, analytics, investment in data warehouses, you say companies continue spending twice as much time to collect data that's twice as much time just to collect the data in comparison to analyzing the data and transforming it to information. Who, where, what, why, how come? Talk to me, Ingmar. Yeah. Um, well, let me give you an example of, of one of our mm-hmm. very big international uh, clients, and, and they are really well-structured. Everything is, is being written down in procedures. And the CIO came to us and he said, I'm really worried uh, because the quality of our data nowadays, and, and we measured it, and we measured it in, in, in a very mathematical way, and we figured out that that quality is only 80%. Ingmar, please help me to get that quality up to 100%, because mm. if not, my CIO is going to bash me, slap me around the ears, <laughs> saying that the quality of the data is not correct. And then I'm thinking... Boy, 80% of correct data quality. I would love to get 80% of relevant emails every single day. <laughs> but guess what? The, 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 the actual effect, what is happening is that you only get 20, 40% of qualitative data. And, and real companies, they really, or big companies, they really need to uh, shift away from thinking that 100% is the target, is the goal. They need to realize that if you have 80%, hell, even 60%, it, it is nowadays, it is really more than enough because, again, if you talk about technology, in a couple of years' time, nobody will, will ever think about uh, enhancing and, and, and qualifying that data to make it qualitatively almost perfect. People will just look at it as we are now doing with Twitter, with Facebook, and being able to shift away the, the junk which is in it and just filter out automatically uh, while looking at it, while reading it, while getting it pushed to us. Just automatically the relevant data will be filtered out of it. Mm, optimistic. Floyd Conrad, what do you think? I completely agree there. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of different tools, you know, that can actually help us, you know, predict the future. So, uh, you know, I, it's, just, it's just, you know, just a matter of time, you know, uh, and, and we'll get there. Okay, brief and to the point. Greg Wright, thoughts? So I've got slightly different thoughts, and I guess I should put some qualifications in order for me to say that I agree, because I'm not sure I agree with everything that was said there. Conceptually, that's exactly right on the money. But I think the reality of it is 
finance still need everything to be to a point where they can justify to the government for taxes, etc., shareholders, that the data is what the data is. So I think the key thing here is the relevant data needs to be correct and the irrelevant data, it doesn't matter. And I think that is what Igmar was saying, but I just want to really kind of underscore that because 60, um, uh, 6% of relevant data being correct is not, is not appropriate, but 60% of the data being correct, if 100% of the relevant data is correct, is perfect. Um, so we have lots of, lots of ancillary data that comes along, comes and goes, and it really has no impact or makes any difference whatsoever. If it's right or wrong, life still continues and it has no difference on what we're going to pursue as a go forward. But the relevant data, which is, for example, which customers should I be pursuing or which products I should be working on because of the margin or whatever it may be for my decision for that day, um, that, needs to be, that needs to be more right than not right in order for me to make some good business decisions. Ingmar? What do you think? Yes, I think there is a point in it. Um, And if you talk about pure financial data, um, I I completely do agree. Although even over there, I've seen uh, clients spending thousands and thousands of of dollars to to get that that rolled up figure, that that revenue figure, to get it right in a financial way down to two digits behind the comma, Mm -hmm. whereas they were only missing a couple of thousands of bucks. Why would you spend so much money on trying to get that latest two-digit figure on your balance sheet? Just live with the fact that even when you have it right, there will still be biased figures in it. There will still be ERP systems which are more or less correct. And whether that's 90% or 99%, that's that's not really uh, the focus point here. But that's just Mm. my observation, of course. Well, that's what we want is your observation. Any comments from Floyd or Greg on Ingmar's observations before I move ahead? Both good? Oh, no. I'd like to make a comment to that. I think that's absolutely right on the money. Uh, And I I agree with you, Ingmar. I've seen customers literally work through the night to try and find, you know, $14. It was ridiculous. Let's, Let's keep things in perspective. And it's no, no point in spending more money than what you're trying to find. I mean, I've literally said to a customer, here's $14, put it in your, put it in your cash, and we're done. Everything is balanced. It, it just doesn't make any sense at all. So keeping things in perspective is, is, is right. And I, I, I'm not disagreeing with Igmar from his initial statement. I just wanted to make it clear that certain data, it, it was really about the relevant data that matters as opposed to the irrelevant data. And there is so much data going on. It's very difficult to find out or to know right off the money, which is what's relevant and what's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Plus, and, and really to where you're reporting it to as well. I mean, there's sometimes you do need to tie things out to the penny, but <laughs> there's other times that you're just spending too much time. Perfect segue, Floyd. I want to go to something in your notes here. I, don't, I covered in my opening about silos, the forecasting silo, the budgeting silo, and how the CFO, Office of Finance, in integrated business planning will basically break down those walls, will find something called collaboration. So let me read this from your notes, Floyd, and then you can run with this, and we'll get Greg and Ingmar to, ch- to comment. You say, when adopting integrated business planning and systems to support... The silos such as sales, operation, marketing in the 
enterprise, and this isn't just inside the office of a CFO, this is the rest of the company, need to start collaborating. It's an opportunity for the CFO office to lead by numbers. Floyd, why don't you explain this and let's see what your co-panelists have to say. Yeah, so, so every time I talk to customers, I always talk about how all numbers lead to finance, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in sales, or in the operations. Eventually, something that you do is that, that number is going to have to roll back into finance. So what we need to do is be able to provide um, the, the enterprise a, a solution that will be able to gather the information, be able to have it accurate, and uh, to have a platform in place to be able to not only just collect the information, but also to be able to discuss and to be able to communicate with each other. So if I'm in marketing, I don't feel like, oh, this is a number that finance gave me. You know, I want to make sure that marketing knows that this is the number that they agreed upon. And they also understand that if they have a program in place, how that program will actually impact the sales of an organization. So, I mean, it's very important for you know, us to tie these um, various different areas. The problem is today, or you know, in the past, what we've done is that each of these areas have their own um, systems to be able to collect this information, whether it's Excel or just different technology that they have put in place. But you know, it's really trying to you know, break down those barriers between the various different uh, departments within an organization and be able to you know, have a, a process that's truly integrated. You know, um, I used to work for a financial services company about 15-plus years ago, and you know, we used to always talk about a single version of the truth. But mm-hmm. that single version of the truth was really a lot of data feeds coming from different areas and a lot of data reconciliation. It took a lot of time and effort to be able to put that single version of the truth together. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I think today with uh, the technology that exists, you know, out in the marketplace, you know, you'll start seeing, you know, more organizations truly adopting, uh, whether they call it integrated business planning or enterprise planning uh, within their organizations. Thank you. Well put. Greg Wright, thoughts? Agree, disagree? Oh, uh, totally agree. Uh, I, think, I think there are two, two parts here to this. One is people don't know where the company is going to. So there's a strategic plan that's put together by a select group of people who typically go away for a week, and they come up with a, uh, you know, a, a Word document or a PowerPoint, and they say, okay, that's what we're going to do for the next two to three, five years maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, two to three is way more common that's never really communicated back to the business. So that's the first thing. I, I think finance is the owner of the process. Finance is the owner of the number. They're still the, I want to, owner is the wrong word, I'm sorry. They're the custodian of the number. Mm-hmm. And they should be sharing that. They should be, they should be the, uh, the, 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 the mechanism that gets out to the business to set the expectation of where the company is going. That in conjunction with all the C-level or high-level, with, you know, with the executive levels, team approach. That's the first thing. The second thing is this whole silo approach, even with technology available today where we don't have to have the silos, we can have that pure, that proper integrated business planning, there is still that siloed approach. And, and so what I mean by that is that uh, although we may collect data from sales and data from marketing, data from operations, and data from whichever other functional area into a central business model, what, um, what uh, Freud mentioned was the single version of the truth, uh, that's still not really their data. 
because what mm-hmm. typically happens is finance as a custodian uh, also has the pressure to get the reports out, also has the, also has the pressure to meet the deadlines. And as a result, instead of updating numbers with the people who own them, in order to meet deadlines, they tend to update those with their numbers in order to meet the expectation of the strategic plan that the business didn't even know about in the first place. So collaboration is so important for the business buy-in as well as the business expectation. In fact, Peter Drucker said, unless there's a commitment made, there are only promises and hopes, but there are no plans. And what that really means uh, to me at any rate is that if the sales enter numbers and now finance change them, there is no commitment. There is no longer their number. And so it's important for true integrated business planning to occur that people own their own number uh, and, and, and that finance is purely the custodian. Thank you. Ingmar, thoughts? Yeah. Don't get me started over the departments <laughs> and the silos because, indeed... But I just I, did. I do, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, and thank you for that. You're <laughs> but welcome. I, I, couldn't agree, I couldn't agree more. The, the, you still find these, these silos back in, in almost every company where you look at. And, and the only thing that, that companies need to start realizing is that one and one means, uh, means actually three instead of two or even, even one and a half. I'm just always looking at my parents as well. Um, my, my mom is, is a great cook and I love her to death. And my, my, my dad is really good in putting out the garbage outside. But they also looked at it as this is my task, this is your task. Well, guess what? When my dad came together with my mom and, and said, okay, just, just teach me how to boil an egg. Guess what happens? He can now put out the garbage and he can boil an egg and he's actually <laughs> doing it. My mom is putting out the garbage, though, but that's probably because we are the weaker species. She's but thinking I, I of what? Think no, she's thinking of what to teach him next besides boiling the egg. That's why she can't do that. <laughs> trust me, trust me. Those wheels of recipes are spinning. So, so your point is, Ingmar, go ahead. My point is indeed, if, if all these departments would break down the, the silos and think outside of the box, look at their data and, and think outside of the, the, the already common and agreed upon business models, they would actually see that uh, there is so much data, so much value inside that data. And if they would combine their, their respective analysis and insights on that data, all of a sudden you would see uh, new business models popping up just as as we see other trends popping up as well. Thank you. And guess what, Ingmar? I'm looking at something else in your notes here. We have, let's see, we have about... Oh, four minutes until we have to launch or lurch, perhaps, headlong into the crystal ball predictions round. But I want to cover one more topic. We talked about change. We talked about collaboration. I don't know if we've used the word disruption, and that's always a word that surfaces when you talk about moving business from one model to another. So let me just read the statement. You can comment quickly, and then let's see if we have time for Greg and Floyd to add. You say, trending topics like big data and AI, artificial intelligence, will drive innovations that are very disruptive to a company current business model and this will lead to completely rethinking how to set up new business models how does this relate to our topic about CFOs becoming more than just stewards of the report but as becoming strategic advisors predict proactive predictive strategic advisors to the business Ingmar yeah and and thank you for that 
for that quote because it's it's actually one of the things that really drives me and really makes me tick. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it, it, we we already talked about the the separation between CFO and CIO, and if you if you put in these buzzwords like big data, AI, disruptive uh, technology, and so on, you immediately think about the more the side of the CIO, but actually it's the CFO, it's the finance people that need to understand how these new technologies can actually be a leverage for, for their own new thinking. And, and let me just give a, a quick, uh, very very quick and easy to understand um, example. Think about all these uh, VHS rental companies that we still had a couple of years ago. If you would then come up with the fact that uh, all these uh, videos and these movies and these series would be streamed over the internet just like mm-hmm. Netflix is doing, yep. most of these companies would have laughed and would have said, no, there's still a client, there's still a product, I'm selling the product to a client. Guess what? All these companies were wrong and all these companies that thought outside of the box embraced the technology and looked at what kind of new business models that could bring well, these are the ones that are still thriving nowadays, and, and we're again at that tipping point of what's next, what are these next uh, uh, disruptive technologies that can bring you, force you into these new business model thinkings. Thank you. Quick comment from Floyd and then from Greg, and then we must go to predictions. Floyd, comments on what Ingmar just presented. Yeah, I think there's there's different options to uh, make things a little bit more non-disruptive uh, for, for organizations, so... I mean, they can uh, deploy things in the traditional ways or they can embrace uh, cloud technology or use a hybrid approach to it as well. So, I mean, you know, I think, I think software vendors are actually trying to, you know, make that as less disruptive as possible. So, um, so hopefully, you know, our Office of Finance will, you know, embrace these and uh, move forward and adopt them quicker. Thank you. Greg Wright, we're going to let you make a comment on this, and then you're going to segue boldly where no panelist has gone yet today, not officially anyway. Sorry about that Star Trek reference. I'm sure you all got it. Hello. Uh, We're going to move into the predictions round. So I'm going to task you with the following, Greg Wright. Look ahead in the crystal ball and tell me how far in the future you can predict what will be different on our topic today. If we meet again at any point in the future, tomorrow, next week, five years out, ten years. I love the year 2020, by the way. This topic is the CFO led revolution integrated business planning. So your comment on what Floyd and Ingmar just discussed and then predictions and I'm going to give you oh 90 seconds for your predictions to keep it tight. Greg Wright, go. Very good. Uh, just a thought about the disru- uh, disruption or the uh, oh I'm lost my losing my 90 seconds already about driving innovation. I think it's a, it's exactly what should be happening. Change is happening whether we want it or not. The disruptive mm-hmm. technology is a good thing to rethink where you're at. It doesn't mean you've got to necessarily change everything. It just means that you should be moving with the times and looking for better models. In terms of where we're going to, I'll take, I'll take uh, 20, 2020, um, but I think even earlier than that, we're going to find a number of things happening. The first thing is partnering within the organization. Office of the CFO, CIO, CEO, CMO are all going to become best buddies. And it's all going to be led by the office of the CFO because they're going to be the guys who are, who are leading the collaborative event. Uh, they're going to be joining strategies, and they're going to be working with each other in order to get those. 
um, as opposed to understanding how each other work. It'll be a collaborative event. The next thing is that the CFO is going to be uh, a, 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 a new adopter of technology. That is why it'll be a collaborative with the CIO, but uh, that's going to require a strong leadership, strong collaboration, and, and, and be able to understand emotionally that change is a good thing. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, and, and ultimately, uh, what they're going to develop are new ways of doing business and new insights in understanding how to interact with other customers as well as with other companies as we move into this global village called the world. Wow. You did it. Thank you very much. I'm trying to tweet. The offices of the CEO, the CIO, the CFO will become best buddies. Was there one C-suite person I left out of that, or are we good with CEO, CFO, and CIO? Great. Let's just also make, it was also the office of the sales and marketing. Okay, we got it. Okay, let's move to Ingmar Christians. I can give you a full 90 seconds as well for predictions. Ingmar, go. Yeah. Towards the future, I think data is, is really the key of, of everything that will drive uh, people's businesses and people's business models. Whether you are looking at the data as 100% correct or not, we've discussed about it. We can go on and on about it. But data will be key. And data, the value out of that data, will be leveraged by, by lots of new disruptive technologies which are on there. Whether you do it right now or whether you do it a bit at your own pace, that it's fine as well, like Greg mentioned, but I do think that if you ignore it, the train will be moving fast and will be passing you without you knowing it. And then you just miss the train to nice Nice to have a glass of good <laughs> wine with Prof, who is very good. <laughs> oh, you are good. I can see you smiling. I know you are. Thank you. Pras, you got to tweet that one, my dear. Okay. Floyd, we left 90 seconds for you. We're doing very well on time, actually. I might have a quick bonus question, but it'll be a yes or no answer. Floyd Conrad, predictions, 90 seconds. Go. I definitely think in five years from now, we will see more organizations, you know, adopting to this concept of integrated business planning or enterprise planning. Um, you know, I don't think everybody will be completely there because it will take some time. But, you know, I think people will move in phases. You know, I'm not quite sure if all the CXOs will become best buds, but <laughs> I definitely think that they'll look to the, uh, the Office of Finance or the CFO, you know, to be that data steward and to be able to, you know, to be the person that owns that information and, uh, you know, be able to provide a platform in place that, um, you know, helps everybody out. But hopefully, you know, I would hope to see a lot more organizations in 2020 that, you know, truly have adopted... Um, you know, the, the concept of integrated business planning, you know, I don't think it's going to be 100%. You know, uh, definitely would like to be able to see, you know, say even 25 30%, you know, from today have increased and, you know, start adopting these uh, concepts, whether they have uh, fully implemented or partially, you know, um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see. Thank you very much. I have a bonus question real fast. Okay, here we go. To all of you, it'll be yes or no. First Greg, then Ingmar, then Floyd. Question is, will the influx of millennials or those of that younger ilk who were forward-thinking, grew up on the cutting edge and cutting their teeth on technology, will they come into those CFO positions over time and even further disrupt and revolutionize and more collaboration and more proactivity from that office? Yes or no? Big question, short answer. Greg, yes or no? Yes. Okay, Ingmar. No. Oh, you got. Oh, you got two sentences to explain. Tell me why not. 
just because I already started on the wine and we needed to disagree on something. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Floyd, you have to get these guys back with you. We, we need a part two on this. If you don't do it on Financial Excellence, you're coming on my coffee break with Game Changer Show. This is just too good. we got to do part two before it's too late. Floyd, quickly, question and answer, yes or no? I definitely think yes. Okay, good. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Great energy. Thank you, Greg Wright at Vantage Point Business Solutions. And a shout-out to Gary at Vantage Point, who has done some interesting tweeting here at hashtag SAP Radio. Gary, nice to see your face on our Twitter stream here. And uh, thank you to Ingmar Christians at EY. Pleasure to meet you. Thanks for your smile. I can hear it coming through the radio. Floyd Conrad, always great to have you on the show. Do come back and bring your friends with you, because now we're all friends and we just have to move forward with this. Uh, any topic you want, just bring the all three of you back. I'm ready. Uh, Chris Grundy, who helps to sponsor this series at SAP. Thank you. Pras Chatterjee, you are my hero. Pras chatted about chatted on Twitter. He I think about 25 tweets in the past 42 minutes, and he's off to champagne in somewhere else. So, Chaz, have, have a great trip, and we'll be looking for you, Pras. Okay, so I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm planning to be tomorrow when I come back with two new live shows. We'll be on live at 10 a.m. Eastern and at noon Eastern, and you don't want to miss those. I won't even tell you what they are. Just tune in here to the business channel. So everyone, thank you so much for a great conversation. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Quick shout out to our engineer, Michael at World Talk Radio. Thank you. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week. 